Hello, everybody. This is Maddie with the Limelight Podcast. Welcome to episode three. This episode is kind of a crazy one. This is over an hour long, so this is like a super episode for us. And Dr. Sloan and I dive into a lot of topics. Uh, We get off topic a couple times, um, but still have a lot of fun and share a lot of information. In this episode, you're going to hear more about that chart that we talked about in the last episode, talking about IgM and IgG and how Lyme affects those immune markers. Um, We're talking more about testing. I talk a lot more about my experience with Lyme and SOT and being a patient of Dr. Sloan's. Um, So it's all here. This is a crazy episode. We get into so much stuff. And uh, without further ado, let's jump into it. I'm really excited to share this with you guys. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Hello, Maddie. Hi, Dr. Sloan. Hi, it's good to hear your voice. You too. I love our talk together. This is so fun. I do too. If everybody just knew that this is how we normally talk anyway. It's so fun. Normal (laughs) discussion between Hank and Maddie. Well, I was just telling Matt the other day that it's so fun for me to be able to talk to you about this because nobody else, you know, no other civilians are kind of on my um, level with just this, like wanting to learn and discuss this knowledge and learn more about it and, and like yeah. really dig into this information. Most people just think I'm a crazy person, which I probably am, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we have neuro Lyme, right? So we're out of our mind and right. uh, psychosis, psychosis, right? We should just all take way more, uh, Klonopin. SSRIs for everyone. Well, <laughs> We're <yeah>. all crazy. <laughs> just everybody should take the mineral lithium, not the drug, but the mineral lithium. It makes everybody has a have a better stabilized mood. And I will uh, attest to that 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 is very true. I love lithium, the mineral. Yes, the um, mineral. <laughs> not I, I, the not to be confused with yes. what they prescribe people for bipolar. Right. I hide it in the water in the office so that my nine girls that control my life can have the a, a stabilization effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell anybody though. Don't tell anybody. Though. Okay. So, Super secret. Everyone listening, secret. you're sworn yeah. to secrecy. Uh, but that's actually really a, a smart, because that would have been something that we would have had in our water before our water has been just ultra processed and full of oh, yeah. acid rain. We would have had lithium and all these trace minerals in our water and we all would be so much calmer sure so if you want to understand and this is off topic how (laughs) the pharmaceutical companies ended up with a drug lithium google this natural mineral lithium studies so our government took the lithium out of 27 counties in texas the (laughs) municipal water source and everyone lost their minds and then they studied the data of change. So the CDC turned it, everybody lost their mind. Homicide, drugs, uh, all the crimes, they went up. They put it back in the water. Six weeks later, everybody stabilized. Oh, so let's make a drug out of it. Instead of just like making sure that our soil has our trace mineral lithium, you know, here we go. So, yes, we use minerals. Uh, even, even veterinarians know if the pigs act up, you give them minerals and they calm down. So... Very interesting. That's something us, that uh, uh, we've missed out on. All these crazy Americans. Let's do drugs instead of minerals. And you know, let's do minerals. That should be our slogan minerals. for twenty twenty. Is let's do minerals. Got <laughs> minerals? Question mark. <laughs> and the answer is no for most people. <laughs> About got lime? Question mark. That's one thing. You know, it just to say this real quick for everybody that is feeling super depressed or you know suicidal i see really sad posts often of people just feeling hopeless or just really down and upset with lime and i have to say if you are not supplementing magnesium you are making a big mistake sure get that magnesium yeah. in there you know for me if i start I, I will be having like the worst week of my life and i'll just take some magnesium and be like oh it's really all okay yeah <laughs> the world is brighter <laughs> Um, so we're fine. And, we're fine. And take your antifungals. Yes. Let's make sure that candida doesn't surface. We need to do a whole, like, we could talk a year about candida, 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 candida. My patients, 
I have to stress this, and, and physicians don't realize this. If you don't control candida the whole entire time through a treatment, especially through an SRT, and candida surfaces underneath it, like weeks later, that patient feels like Lyme has all come back. Mm-hmm. And it's really not Lyme. It's candida. Um, candida is a, a greater nemesis than, than Borrelia. I promise you, on a day-to-day basis, yeah. one thing that needs to be clear is that candida causes global fogginess. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about fogginess that's on the level of depersonalization. Mm, yeah. Like I'm not connected. I don't, I don't understand you. I don't see you. I'm here, but I'm not really here. And they, they look at me like, like a little dog. When you make noises, you have four heads <laughs> and then I get rid of candida. So if you have neurological Lyme, neuro Lyme causes specific neuro symptoms, like a drop foot, a tingling in your arm, eye drop, uh, paresthesias, hyperesthesias, uh, Bell's palsy, um, neurolime causes specific neurological traits. Candida causes global neurological traits. Interesting. Big deal. Big difference. Well, I definitely will say, um, you know, I noticed right after I got my SOT and, you know, for anybody who, um, isn't familiar with my story. I got my SOT when I was feeling pretty okay. I was in a pretty stable, decent spot. I wasn't, I was surviving, not thriving, but I was doing okay. Um, And I did have a recurrence of symptoms right after I got the SOT. And I do think it was because my immune system was able to be like, okay, we're like back online. And, you know, and then I did end up having to treat for candida Um, And then I also had mycoplasma. So I felt a little bit worse before I got better, but it was, you know, I felt that just that crazy, that fogginess. I felt like I was just jet lagged for like two weeks. Sure. Sure. So you have the opportunity that's unique. um, And our listeners should know that you came to see me and I treated you before I had SRT and Mm -hmm. the ability to cure Lyme. And, um, um, we ha- we have this great relationship anyway, but I see all these bugs there and these critters there, and you're you're bed bound and um, couldn't remember your mother's name, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of patients talk about this. It- it's interesting when they come to see me; they're in the forest and mm-hmm. they can't see out of it, and like now you're out of it and you can see behind you. Yeah, uh, how good it can be, but it's interesting. I appreciate the fact that you came in my life, in my practice when I didn't have these curative perspectives and now we do. So, you know, we actually lost touch. And then I, I called out to you, Maddie, (laughs) try this thing. Um, Well, I was, you know, initially kind of hesitant to, um, to do it because I didn't want to rock the boat. And I was so afraid um, because my kind of philosophy throughout, you know, I've been dealing with this for over a decade now. And my whole philosophy was just, you know, I had been sick for such a long time. And I was like, I got things to do. So I'm just going to do it. And just with this sheer willpower of like, I'm going to will myself to be fine so I can go live my life. um, I was doing pretty okay. And you know, what was crazy was so crazy. And I really just, it was you and my mom convinced me because I just, Obviously, I trust my mom and I trust you so, so much. And I was like, all right, if they're telling me to do this, they've got a good reason. You know, I know my mom just wanted me to, to be healthy, but I was like, all right, if Dr. Sloan says to do it, I trust him. He, he wouldn't tell me to do it if it was dumb. Um, right. You know, I'm going to do it. And it was so, you know, I mean, it really was like, I might even, I don't even get emotional, but I might get emotional even talking about this. But it was like someone plugged my brain back in. After that first like two weeks. And what was really crazy is, you know, I, and I've, it's been really hereditary through my family, you know, so I know that it might be something I deal with forever, but depression and anxiety and, um, you know, mental ish, mental health issues has been something that even when I physically had felt my best, I just, I get super depressed, really down. Um, my energy gets really low. My motivation gets really low. And to the point, I mean, I've been suicidal 
throughout this several times in my life. And, um, you know, and that's, I mean, it's been tough. So I get it when people say that I, you know, I get it. And, um, you know, it, it might seem, um, that it's been easy going for me for a while now, but it, I mean, it hasn't. Um, yes. but that was the thing for me that, that stopped was that feeling when in that first two weeks, it was like all of a sudden it was like my head came above the water and that had happened a couple of times in the last 10 years. Like I, I remember I would have days where I would just be like, wow, I like, I want to get so much done. And I just feel so productive and excited and I just feel so good and I have all this energy and I want to like keep doing stuff and that you know and then I, I wouldn't want to go to bed because I'd be like oh I don't want this day to end right and then um so T I had that feeling and I was like wow this is so cool and I almost didn't want to believe that I could be better because I was like oh my well it's probably going to go away after a few days because you right. know it never really lasted more than a day or two but it just kept kind of I was like wow like this is sure. This is how I'm supposed to feel. This is crazy. So that was really, you know, I mean, when people ask me about it, I'm like, you just, you just do it. It's, you don't know what you're missing out on. Yeah. You know, especially if you've had it for a long time. It's so different for everybody. Um, And you, if you came to see me in the depth of your darkness of your Lyme days, I think you would typically be my average Lyme patient that I see now. That's the patient who pretty much is bed bound, who can't think, can't talk, yeah. um, has neuro symptoms, look like they have MS, maybe transverse myelitis. Um, they have ridiculous pains. I mean, they buzz, they, they, they vibrate, they feel. Um, all the tremors, all the shakes all and the quakes. Shakes. <laughs> yeah. So every time I, I talk to a patient, they tell me all these things. I'm going, yep. Uh, 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 yep. Yep. So really what I want to know is like, what's the current symptoms so I can treat you. And so I can get it done. Um, yeah. Get it, we, get we, it gone. Yeah. And, and I, I'm so glad that, that I knew you before those days. And I know you now um, because your journey means so much to me. So when I sit with a patient and I hear all the, horrible things they're going through and they're so stuck in their body and their mind they can't see out of it Mm -hmm. and and i'm excited maddie because i know it's going to happen and i hope they all end up like you but there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle yeah and if you go get an sot from an sot clinic versus an sot from a lyme based knowledgeable clinic it's going to be different um so uh, your experience, everybody needs to know your experience because that's the common patient that we see these days. And um, I'm so glad to hear your vibrance and intelligence as it is today. Cause I know you can even remember your mother's name when you were laying in bed and you couldn't move. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, I couldn't, um, you know, and I got sick when I was 17. So I was, you know, I was worried about, you know, what my, what horse show I was going to go to. I rode horses and, you know, what I was getting ready to, you know, pick what college I was going to go to. My mom and I went toward colleges like a week before I became symptomatic and, you know, like doing stuff with my friends and just going along about my little 17 year old life. And all of a sudden it just came to a screeching halt within about three weeks. I went from just complete normalcy to, just wanting to die because I was in just so much pain and that the really the only thing I just kept you know I was like okay as long as I can see the the light at the end of the tunnel as long as we're moving forward as long as I can you know remember what it felt like to like I'm gonna I'm gonna get better it's gonna be okay as long as I can remember and like move toward that feeling of feeling better and I started getting to a point where I couldn't remember anymore what it felt like to be okay. And that was terrifying. I started losing myself in being sick and you know, it's, it's, it messes up your identity. It messes up, you know, your relationships. Um, you know, it completely shakes your, your bedrock foundation Foundation. of the idea that like doctors are on your side because most of them were not. Um, (laughs) and that was (laughs) really, you know, when I, when I came and I met you, I was really in a, in a very, it was actually during a relapse because I had gotten 
better. And I went to college for a few years um, after doing tons of antibiotic therapy, which probably really hurt my liver. Um, <laughs> but and, brain. Um, and my brain. Yeah. And candida occurred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All this stuff. Um, you know, that definitely was not uh, the treatment was probably equally as bad as the illness at that point. Right. Um, but, you know, what really just shocked me and just made me so, so excited about meeting you and talking to you was that you wanted to know, like I did, why that was happening. And you wanted to get to the root problem and the, the cause of the symptoms, not just, okay, well, let's just, you know, throw some, you know, some prescription at you and send you out the door. It's like, okay, well, yeah. let's look at all different pieces of, you know, your lifestyle and what you're eating and, um, you know, your history and your symptoms and all sure. of this together. Let's find out why. Because I yeah. hadn't been like that forever. So a why is it happening brain, now? <laughs> a perfect brain just doesn't go crazy on its own. There's got to right. be something in there that's creating a problem. And then you get into, even with you back in that day, I was just doing lab core tests. So yeah. I, I, I was kind of, I was kind of lost too until, uh, we bumped into these new therapies and better tests and Lyme disease became a pandemic and it's the fastest growing infectious disease in the, in the country, probably the world. And, uh, the CDC saying there's now over a million cases every year and think about new cases every year. And then the cases that don't get cured every year. And then they, you know, behind that, it's just huge. Right. It's just, you know, and it's crazy. What makes me, what breaks my heart the most is, you know, knowing how terrible it is. And even as I was going through that, I was like, man, I would never wish this on my worst enemy. I would never wish this on anyone else. And then, you know, the hardest part about being involved in sharing this knowledge and being a part of this community is just, you're like, wow, there are so many other people that are as sick as me or sicker than me. And that's just, it's really heartbreaking. So that's why, um, you know, people ask me all that, like, why are you, why do you do this? Do you just like to blog? I'm like, well, I just, I want to get this information out there so people don't suffer like I did. I don't, no right. one deserves that. It's horrible. And I don't want anyone to ever feel that way. So I want to help, yeah, help you and help it, others learn. It's kind of like I sit with patients, like one has had a panic attack and anxiety, one hasn't. Mm -hmm. So if you've never felt a panic attack, and you describe it to somebody, they won't relate to it. Right. It is life-changing. Um, when you have a disease, um, th this world isn't very empathetic or sympathetic to, to the cause unless you feel that same thing. Right. Um, unless you're trained. Huh? I said, no, empathy, sympathy, remorse, or regret. There are four things that you have to learn. That you have to go through the experiences before you feel it through somebody else. So I'm, I'm very empathetic and sympathetic. So I sit with my patients and I live through them. And I, I feel like that's how I know what we're going to test, how we're going to treat. Um, but I, I'm just super glad that you're on this side of things and that we're right now with you and other patients that are healed Lyme patients, we're working on the little tiny nuances like food allergies and keeping candida in control and making sure you're not histaminic and, make sure you know you're not flaring mast cells and we're having a lot of mast cell or histamine intolerances for patients mm -hmm. post sot they they think it's post sot but it's been there the whole time although now that the lyme symptoms are clear now they're feeling the other things so it's an interesting switch in the brain where our brain only senses the hierarchy of pain number one is the greatest number two is the second number three is the so when we search we start moving things out of the way, everything changes hierarchy. So, you know, now you feel this or that, but you didn't feel that before. That's because we moved some things out of the way. And now the brain refocuses on pain and sensation. It's interesting. Well, and I would imagine too, um, you know, with the Lyme suppressing your immune system, your mast cells really can't do their job properly. So I'm sure once that starts clearing out, all of a sudden your body's like, all right, we're back online, like mass produce. Oh God. And, and that's why you get these massive histamine reactions right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I didn't understand this until recently. And I think I can say this as a, as some science, but 
Um, Borrelia bacteria, especially in the gut, suppresses Th1, Th2 cells, which, which are our immune cells. And when, and when we have Borrelia sequestered and our immune system comes back online, then we actually start defending our body the proper way. Everything that comes in your body on your skin, your nose, your mouth, your food, your air, we have an immune response to say, hey, dude, are you a bad guy or are you a good guy? And if it's a bad guy, we release a lot of histamine, inflammatory cytokines, and things like that. If you're a good guy, we still release histamine based on just checking in. Mm-hmm. So we can we can become histaminic when we have a healthy immune system. So we have to remove mold, make sure candida is under control, take care of delayed food sensitivities, and blah, 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 blah. There's a whole sequence that we go through to make sure that I can follow through with a treatment for my patients. There, they're not going to find a different clinic because they're just not literate for all these possibilities. And I find, you know, this is something that I'm really just is popping into my head right now, but everyone talks about, you know, the Lyme detox, the detox, detoxing Lyme, detox, detox, detox is like the, the buzzword. And to me, it seems like, especially, you know, now you have SOT in your toolbox, you're not worried as much about detoxing as you are about like getting back to homeostasis. Because sure, the Lyme's yeah. just gonna is gonna get rid of itself as long as you have that S in there that's that's cleaning it out, and then you're just you're not really needing to detox things. You're just needing to get your body back online so it can do its normal job. Exactly. exactly. And then you know I want to throw out there for everyone who, because I know people ask me all the time, talk to me about like, oh God, I don't want to be on this super restrictive diet forever you know, or I have all these histamine issues and I am such, I'm, I'm a a fair skinned, red haired child. I have been (laughs) histaminic for my entire life. I've been on Zyrtec. I I probably am keeping the Zyrtec company in business. Um, but I have, you know, as I've gotten better and healed, I now am, I can be much less concerned about that because now my body can just handle things so much better. So, I mean, I can, I can eat gluten now occasionally and be fine. And, you know, I don't do it often because I know it's bad for me now. But things like that, you know, I don't have to be, um, you know, I spent eight years of my life being just extremely picky about my diet and, you know, the skincare products that I would use. And, um, you know, just every little tiny detail of trying to minimize inflammation and, you know, keep myself kind of in a stable place. And now you know, my body is much more, um, it's doing its job. Basically it's, you know, I can eat more things. And, you know, if I use one of the super fragrance lotions at my job or whatever, it's, I I do okay. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not, you know, sneezing and eyes streaming everywhere rash. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, uh, poor, poor Dr. Bordorfri, um, actually created, a a super bug just you know having fun in a lab and didn't realize it was going to be used this way but when you get rid of that and this is what you're talking about when you get rid of borrelia and and you you sequester that immune sequence and then your immune system can act like the normal immune system that god made for us and then you know whether you know it or not believe it or not but all these bugs through millions billions of years of generations we have learned to deal with them through our immune system. That's why we're still alive. Right. If we didn't know how to deal with Epstein or CMV or HIV or Bartonella, Babesia, then it would kill us. But our immune system can take care of it. The problem is Borrelia burgdorferi, or burgdorferi, however you want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the nemesis of our immune system. So, gosh, I'm, I, I just don't want to argue this anymore. It, people, don't ask me again on my Facebook <laughs> Lyme information group. Um, where to start? <laughs> you start, start with, with the bug. Borrelia. Start with the Borrelia B. It doesn't honor your immune system. Um, and then, as you see, Maddie, you go. You'll go through normal immune system sequences once we sequester the RNA 
of the Borrelia, and we use the antisense gene silencing oligonucleotide to create uh, a non-replicating sequence and induce apoptosis. So then within a few weeks to six weeks, I mean, eight weeks at the most, we, we feel through science and, and, and through analysis that the Borrelia has been sequestered. And we start to see immune system healing, recovery, we get into a healing process. Uh, number one, proper tests, proper lab test, uh, comprehensive lab test. Give me results. Results mm-hmm. give me a target. A therapy gives me a target to to shoot for that I can create a, uh, a a target so that we get healing. And then step three, we get healing. And then step three, four to six months later, we start talking about what's the damage, what's not damaged, what's healed, what's not healed. And then we start talking about stem cells. So we just move along through this cascade of healing. Uh, now that we have SOT, because before that, every six weeks, every three months, you go to your doctor, you learn a new combination of antibiotics, mm-hmm. new combination of herbs, new combination of IVs. Every six weeks, three months, you're reinvented for a new treatment, and it's chasing rabbits, and you never get anywhere. Right. And then, you know, this also brings up a good point, too, of, you know, everyone kind of thinks, oh, well, if I do this one treatment, it's just going to be a magic bullet and I'm going to be healed. But you also have to remember, um, you know, especially people like me who've had this for a long time, um, you know, the whole time that Lyme has been in your body, it's doing damage. And, you know, then you kind of have to go back in and fill those holes. um, You know, once your immune system gets back online and you've reached a point where you can start um, rebuilding, then you've got to give your body time to just kind of get back to its normal uh, mechanism of rebuilding. That's right. Um, um, believe it or not, we can actually function normal and be normal once we have sequestered the complicated DNA sequence of a genetically modified bacteria that is the smartest bacteria in science. It uh, is a bacteria by DNA inside the body. It's virulent. RGCC calls it a virus. When we order an SOT, we check a box called virus agonist. <laughs> that is so interesting to me. Yes. That just and, and when I say to them, guys, you know, it's a bacteria, they laugh at me. <laughs> because inside the body, it's, vir- it's virulent. So only viruses work through the cell to create more DNA. Mycoplasmas do the same thing. So mycoplasmas are uh, genetically bacteria named after a fungus that um, are so tiny that 4,000 of them can fit into one white blood cell. Wow. Stripper staff, only eight or nine of them can fit into one red blood cell. So even though it's a bacteria named after a fungus, it holds its antibody. So when you see mycoplasma on a, on a test, you're always going to hold the antibody for it, like a virus, like Epstein-Barr cytomegalovirus, HV6, and HHV1 through 6. You'll always hold the antibodies to viruses because we can always see if your immune system reacted to them. But we're looking for IgG antibody below a criteria to show it's hit the second hump on the graph. Got it. Well, that uh, brings us to a great segue of now we've just chatted for a long time, but the first thing that I really wanted to ask you in this podcast is about IgM and IgG. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I am going to show. So, so there's this infamous graph. Oh, there's this graph. graph. There's yeah, this graph. So, um, and I mentioned it in the last episode. And if you guys who are listening, and I will attach this um, to everywhere that I post this, so you guys can look at it. Um, but if you can't see it and you're just listening, it's two mountains with two valleys. And the first two mountains, camel, two camel humps, two camel humps. And the first camel hump is IgM. And then there's the valley. And then the next one is IgG. The trough. The trough. The, the trough. And then the, the, the valleys and the peaks. So this is the first time and this is revolutionary. And a lot of people are going to try to poke holes into my analysis and that's okay um it's the first time that 
I can prove and show through science and test and and how you feel that our immune system goes through a sequence where um, something comes in your body. It's a foreign critter. It's a bug. Um, the immune system says, hello, are you a good guy? Or are you a bad guy? Hello, you're a really bad guy. And we mount an immune system response through natural killer cells, T-cells, T-shot proteins, um, cytokines. And then, wow, you get this huge hump of an IgM flare. Um, for Epstein-Barr, that means it's mononucleosis. It's IgM mono. For Borrelia, your CDC criteria positive. 23, 39, or 41 above a criteria that shows CDC positive. For patients who have been through that flare and maybe it's years down the road, then you fall off that 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 hump, that peak into the trough, and we see a below CDC criteria patient. They're still sick with Lyme, but you fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my kind of patient. I love CDC criteria patients because it's black and white. I don't have to explain all this stuff. But for the ones in the trough or the ones that have hit an IgG peak and we missed it, or if we see band 34 and 31 in IgM or IgG, we know it's been there for a long time. So now I'm showing on, on a graph for the first time in history. Drumroll, please. A normal a normal immune system sequence that can show when the immune system is going through different phases of its exposure to a bug, especially Borrelia, because over time, especially with a curative treatment like SOT, we see the, we see the body move where you've been stuck in an IgM or trough IgM or trough IgG. Um, we see it move through. So one test is a snap sh- snapshot in time. Two tests shows movement. Three tests show trends. Mm-hmm. So the reason I do post Western black test is because now we can prove that we can see this movement along through this normal immune system sequence. And this is really revolutionary and yes, poke holes in it if you can. Um, but I can help you plot your, your, your bands and show you where you are. Number one test, number two test, number three test. So this is so cool. I love this. Um, for, well, for me, too, because I don't really understand this that well. Can you explain what the bands are? Like, what are, what is that showing? Yeah, that's the problem. That's the fallacy in, in Western blot test is that it is only a test to show your immune system reaction to the outer surface protein of what Borrelia is releasing, which is a fungal ball. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's so smart when, um, you know, immune system reacts to it. It releases these little outer surface proteins, and then we see that reaction. So a patient that doesn't have much of a, an immune system, and we test that through the CD57 counts, which is only done accurately through LabCorp, through insurance, and some other tests do it well. Quest doesn't do it properly. Um, but we, we can see uh, different phases, and we can watch that over time. But – it is based on immune system reactions. So that's the fallacy of this test. And people think I'm trying to be perfect or accurate. I'm trying. You, do you think you do the most perfect test ever? No, I do the best test available to me. And I'm just as human as you are. And I'm trying to get your, get an equivocal positive or a positive so I can send it to RGCC so I can make you a treatment. Right. So that's, so you're measuring. The, so the bands are indicating um, just basically like different stair steps in this, in these two right. camel humps, essentially. So we, we can, we can in a snapshot on that test, determine where you are between IgM and IgG sequencing through the immune system. Your immune system is always trying to go every virus, every bacteria, every fungus, including candida. We can see an IgM flare initially to an IgG sequence and then off if it's one that would turn off, Candida turns off, Babesia turns off, Bartonella turns off, Mycoplasma stays on, Epstein stays on, CMV, all viruses through HE21, HE26, they stay on. We can always see exposure 
but the IgG antibodies should be below a certain intensity. So we can see it's passed below reactivation stage. Um, bacteria that like the co-infections, they come on and come off. So patients think that they always going to hold Bartonella babesia. You don't. A good immune system is going to go through the sequence. So here's a question. Can you ever go backwards through the sequence? Oh, gosh. Now you put me to quandary. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the reason that I ask is because I remember, I have to go back and look at my labs and, and see if I remember correctly. But I, at one point, I tested, this was, you know, years after my initial Lyme. I came into you just for routine blood work and I was ELISA positive IgM for Lyme. And you at oh, that point told wow. me, uh, hey, I think you have Lyme again. And I was like, nope, it's fine. We're just going to, you know, it's <laughs> fine. It's we're ignoring it. Um, yeah. But I, and I wondered because I had, I did have a tick bite right before that. But I thought, you know, I like, I found it pretty quick. I got it off right away. Um and I, you know, I wonder, okay. could it have been the old Lyme or was it definitely that new tick? All right. So, so let's talk about it. So when you post the graph, you will see the sequence goes from left to right. IgM, trough, IgG, off. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh my gosh. That's your slogan. That's way too much fun. Um, there's no ego in illness, so I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know the facts about the immune system and the way it works. I will base it on my experience, my dear. Okay. Um, I had negative Rocky Mountain, negative Rocky Mountain, negative Rocky Mountain, IgM, CDC, Lyme. I did my treatment. Uh, three weeks later, I have a IgM Rocky Mountain. Huh. So did it get infected or did it surface? Um, I'm going to say this. The immune system doesn't go backwards on the IgM. Okay. okay. The sequence goes IgM to IgG to off or, or it holds depending on if it's a virus or bacteria. However, imagine this. And this is, check this out. If you have Bartonella, if you have Babesia, Rocky Mountain, if you have Epstein-Barr, if you have viruses and bacteria in your body, that aren't being dealt with. They're just destructing you. Remember, antibody test only shows your immune system reaction to the bug. Right. Imagine Borrelia, our, our destructive buddy, is causing damage, and your immune system is so sequestered that it can't treat the other things. So we remove Borrelia, and when I look at you after an SOT, I look at you in a whole new light. Wow. So if Rocky Mountain flares, so Bar Bar Bartonella, Babesia, Epstein-Barr goes from IgG to IgM. So recently I just had a patient go from IgG, Epstein-Barr, IgG, CMV, IgG, HHV6, and then all of a sudden they're all IgM. Interesting. Did they just get exposed to roseola like your three years old? Did they just get mono? No, they did not. So that bug was in their body doing damage, and then we move. Borrelia off the table, and then the immune system goes, hey, what are you doing here? I didn't know you were here. Oh, by the way, I want to come kick your butt now. So then we see the immune reaction, which is called antibody, and we see that change. So, yes, the answer is yes on both situations, or you're reinfected, period. Interesting. Very cool. So I think, you know, I don't – I'd have to go look at my labs to see, but I think – I don't think I ever was only IgG. I think from when I started testing positive, I would be kind of in the middle of the trough probably. And maybe I had a, a couple of maybe one or two IgM bands and one or two IgG bands and I was maybe going through and then maybe it came back on when I started to feel better. Right. And maybe that's why I pinged really hard on the IgM. Yeah, so sometimes like um, after an SRT, I may see these flares through IgM sequences, but you don't feel you don't feel bad. It's not that you have to feel bad. It's not like you got it for the first time. It's that your immune system is going through normal sequencing. It's impossible. It is impossible for your immune system to go interview a bug, determine if they're if you want to keep them or do, or get rid of them, <laughs> <laughs> and 
And if you keep them, which, you know, this shows response or that you've, you've known them, it, you have to keep the IgG sequence. Um, it's going to be there forever, but it has to be below a certain antibody level so that we feel comfortable that you're not sick. And let's preface, preface this with this comment. Testing is secondary to how you feel after a treatment. Right. Because when I know when I got that test and I was super IG, IgM, I felt great. And that was probably why that IgM showed up so high because my body was, I was finally feeling well it enough is. that my body was like, okay, let's make antibodies again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You, you are correct, madam. So, and then here's another question. So with these ones, um, like the mycoplasma um, and these that don't ever completely go away, are you, because you're testing for the antibodies, the antibodies never go away, but if they're below a certain threshold, you take that to assume that the, that the invader is gone. Um, yes. Yeah, so mycoplasmas are kind of like a virus in the body. So they hold their antibody forever. So if I see IgM myco below a certain index, then I don't call it responsive or reactivated unless you're having certain symptoms. Right. Um, I can look at a test. I can go, oh, look, you have an IgM ABV. You have an IgM CDs. Say, oh, oh, wow, what? Look, your mycos are up. Oh, and as I turn the page, I know they're going to have Borrelia. Right. I know it because it's, a, it's the disruptor. It's the mighty disruptor. It's a, it's a, it's our immune dysregulator. I know it's going to be there. Um, and if it doesn't show normal, like what we think it should on the antibody test, it's because you've been sick for so long that I'm not getting correct data. So we need to, we need to treat it anyway or be logical about it. Because for me, we're so, we're so much on the international radar for Lyme treatment that I'm really holding steadfast to the CDC criteria or below CDC criteria. We're only diagnosing Lyme at a C CDC criteria. That doesn't mean that you don't have Borrelia burgdorferi infection, but the semantics are, do you have Lyme disease according to the CDC at certain peaks in those two camel humps? Or are you in the trough or are you off? It depends on what we see and what is on the piece of paper and how you feel inside your body. Okay, so here's a question. Does the Borrelia burgdorferi IgG off or does that stay on forever like a virus oh good question so untreated borrelia hangs out in one of the sequences so when i graph your western blot antibodies i can see that if it's above a criteria i can i can plot it on the graph certain ones will be in the trough and then um if i keep doing that without treatment it's pretty much going to stay right there you're getting hung up mm -hmm. in a cdc criteria uh, IgM, IgG, or in the trough, off CGC criteria, but you're stuck. You're stuck. And antibiotic treatment is not going to move you along to the sequence. It's going to suppress more data, and it's going to hide more, so we see less. Um, SOT is the only treatment that actually gives me the ability to inhibit the replication of Borrelia and watch its sequence through that, that, that IgM trough, IgG off sequence. Interesting. Okay. So then, and then as people are getting SOT and, you know, they come back six months later, or I guess we could use me for an example. What are you looking to see a year post SOT on someone like me? The first thing I, the first thing I say to you is how are you feeling? Super so before, great. <laughs> before SOT, you had 10 symptoms and these are them. You told me these are your symptoms, neuro or physio, um, whether they're testable or not testable. And how do you feel now? Because antibody tests are not very good for follow-up tests for uh, a treatment of any kind. Um, but since we have SOT, now we're finally able to see a sequence. So I ask you how you're feeling first. And then I really, really dig into the numbers and I plot your Western black bands to see what sequences you were in before and where you moved to after. I'm waiting for that. 
IgM to flare down to the trough and the IgG, and I'm waiting for that 31, 34 band to sequence on that shows that it's a chronic, it's a movement into a past infection. So I'm I'm super excited to see it. Like obviously you can tell I, I kind of dig what I do. <laughs> You're a lime nerd. Yeah. <laughs> the lime guy. So that's, you know, when I get people asking me often, uh, you know, well, do you test negative now? Do you like is, is when first of all, I honestly don't know because I feel fine and I don't really want yeah, to. It doesn't really it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but so, certain people are so interested in the chemistry. I have some patients that only base how they feel on their bands. So I'm trying to get patients out of their bands. Um, I could do a follow-up test in Europe. It's 1200 bucks. Ew. Yeah, we can do a follow-up test, post-SOTC. See, but if I'm looking at, you know, like I had 10 neuro symptoms and they're all gone or nine of them are gone, eight of them are gone, but I have this left. So once you have Borrelia off the table and I recalculate your symptoms, I, I look at them as a new, fresh group and I go, oh, wait a minute that's dopamine or that's candida or you're allergic to gluten or your thyroid sucks. Um, I'm a freak about thyroid labs. Um, if you haven't had yes, you are. thyroid test, <laughs> it's really important. It makes 90% of our energy. Yes. Yes. It's the missing link in medicine. Um, there's a lot left to the picture other than Lyme, but we got to get it out of the way so we can move along. Right. Well, and I, I can also test, first of all, I found you because you were the only person I could find that would run a full thyroid panel and not just the TSH, um, which made me very happy Um, because I was extremely hypothyroid when I came to see you for the first time. And uh, my regular doctor just ran the TSH and called me and said, oh, you're fine. And I was like, well, I'm I'm still not fine because I'm still real sick, but uh, I'm not fine. Um, so that was fun. But anyway, um, what has been interesting for me, a lot of people have asked me a lot about co-infections. And when I first got sick, I had at least Bartonella and Ehrlichia. I probably had more, but I, I wasn't testing positive for anything for a long time. Um, and then post-SOT, I had a mycoplasma, but all of those, um, I haven't positive for Bartonella or Ehrlichia in many years. Um, And then the mycoplasma was just, I mean, got rid of that within a couple weeks with just like a very low grade antibiotic. Sure. Um, And that was all, it was all super easy. And I think the Bart and the Ehrlichia was knocked out with probably the, maybe the first rounds of antibiotics that I did, but it really was, you know, once I got the Lyme under control, everything else was just like, okay, bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a couple of guys trying to argue with, with me right now on my site to tell me that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm being fake because I say that, um, there's no evidence that we can preclude these co-infections and it's not me. It's the science. I look, I day to day see patients that we cure Borrelia and then they sequence through their Borrelia, uh, Bartonella's and Babesia's, and they, they, they go through the IgM and IgG flares for the Epstein. I mean, we just get to watch the natural evolution of our immune system do its correct job. Once we get rid of the bacteria um, that, that was, you know, creating this immune system dysregulation. Yeah. Right. It's, it's fun. It's really fun. <laughs> so fun. I think that's why you and I get along so well is because we're probably the only ones that think this is super fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Now I get to say, oh, my gosh, guess what? I'm sorry, but you have Lyme disease. You're CDC positive, And I'm so happy about it. Right. <laughs> and, and I say, I, I, I don't mean to make light of this, but in the in the past – it was a crying event because all I have for you is IV vitamin C, herbs, antibiotics, and then we treat you. We we suppress your symptoms. You're good for a while. Then I treat you again. And now we have a treatment that that sequesters the the RNA sequences, and then you move along in life, and and they go away, and they don't care about me anymore, and it hurts my feelings. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm well, that was you know what has been so crazy for me to experience this starting from 10 years ago 
And first of all, not being able to even get diagnosed and seeing, you know, all of these top infectious disease doctors in the country, not even just in my state, but in the country and having everyone, you know, I'd come into the office and they go, oh, it looks like, and it sounds like you probably have Lyme disease. I had the bullseye rash. I had, you know, all the symptoms. Sure. Oh, it looks like Lyme disease. And I'd do the test and I would be negative Eliza and they'd go, oh, it's not Lyme disease. Uh, here's just some, take some prednisone and some Advil and you'll be fine. Like, well, I can't walk now. So uh, this right. is obviously a little bit more of a problem. Um, and then, you know, standard of care at that point, you know, you were lucky they would give you two weeks of doxycycline. And then, you know, I finally found some, you know, after being on doxy for like a month, um, I found a, a doctor who had a pain clinic and she put me on tetracycline and rifampin and wow. what's the cyst buster? Uh, flagell, it, fl- flagell, flagellet, or uh, tendazole, tendamax. Yes, I think I was also on like metronidazole. That's flagell. That one, and uh, you know, I mean, I I made artwork with all Gosh. of the different antibiotics and different Flagyl pills is that so I was on. So hard to tolerate, and then and then you get antibiotics sick at the end of it. Maybe you did did kill the spirochetes and some other flagellates, but then you're now you're candida sick, so you feel like the same. like you can't think (laughs) well I had you know and I was on those what was so crazy to me and you know I I, when I was super sick obviously I couldn't even like go on the computer because my was just brain fried um and I also had light sensitivity issues couldn't move my fingers and all this stuff um but I started kind of looking into this more as I started to get better and many of the drugs that I was on there were no uh studies done on people for longer than a couple of months because everyone started getting hepatitis and their liver started to fail. And for me, I'd been on all these drugs for two years, pulsing all of these antibiotics for two years. And, you know, to the end of it, I think I probably weighed, I weighed like 112 pounds. I'm like five, eight, um, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, I would wake up in the morning and drink half a bottle of Pepto-Bismol so I wouldn't throw up. And uh, I finally was like, I just, I can't take the antibiotics anywhere. I got to stop. Um, and then, you know, later on when I got sick again, I found you and we started doing the nutritional IVs and the IV therapy, which made me feel much better than antibiotics, but it right. still was just managing symptoms and trying to help my body as much as we could. And now that we have this, it's just, it's so different. It's just this like magic little thing. It doesn't do any harm to you. It just like goes in and gets the job done and you can walk away and your body can start to heal instead of having to, you know, make up for the damage that you're doing to try to kill the spirochetes. That's right. That's right. The, 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 the face and the perspective, the science the uh, the analysis, whatever you want to call it, of this chronic spirochete disease that we've seen since Egyptians, pyramids, probably dinosaurs, um, although it wasn't genetically modified until, you know, 40s, 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're looking at a pandemic and we have accidentally bumped into a cure just because RGCC knows how to cut off RNA sequences to cancer cells. They apply it to different functions and we are um very grateful for that i I do not have any um ties to them some people think i like i work for them no um uh i work with them and i appreciate their therapies and we're very happy they love testimonies 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 we want to hear more and more testimonies Uh, it's so hard to get to somebody to to try to produce a testimony after they've left the lime world Right. But, but please give me uh, testimonies on, on, on my site, TGC Lyme Information Group, or your site. Just we need to get it out there. We're about to publish a, a document where we can do data for Lyme SOT recovery that's been developed between us and RGCC. So that's going to come out probably next week. Cool. And then we're going to able to put together some numbers. Cool. That'll be really exciting. Yes. I think, you know, what's what is interesting to me to learn about RGCC is 
you know, when, especially when we're in the Lyme world, it seems so all consuming that, you know, like, how could anyone be doing anything else except trying to find a cure for Lyme disease? Um, right. But, you know, what you said is they really don't do this very often. They're really just starting to do it. Um, and really based on your research and, and working with your patients specifically for the most part. Sure. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of people and, you know, me included and until recently, I didn't understand how important it is to spread the information and kind of get it out there and get those testimonies and hear these stories from people because we want them to also be excited about this. And we want them to put more, um, you know, bodies and minds and into helping us do this. So they, they want to do it because they really are not a lab that does this very often. Yeah. Um, RGCC is a research genetic cancer lab and 95% of what they do is development toward new therapies for immunotherapy and targets for cancer. I work in 5% of what they do for their company and they're, they're internationally known. Um, they are approved by every facility. In, in fact, the FDA may approve them as the first lab outside the United States to be approved. Wow. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but they uh, 5% of what they do is where I work and heal our patients. So we need to show them how well that this is working because it's no big deal for them to go, oh, we're done with that. Stop. You know, right. Or other sites that are out there with propaganda. They don't like the negative information. So we're trying to make sure that we, we show them the data and keep a positive light on this incredible, incredible science. That's a technology that you can't refute. Um, that's why I have medical doctors in my patient load every day that are burned out by their own system that they don't understand and that we can show them how to get good treatment. It's very cool. It's, you know, and I, you know, I'm a science head myself and I have always really appreciated um, certainty with science in this, in this battle with Lyme because there's so much um, desperate birthed out of desperation there's so much misinformation and there's so much um just crazy stuff <laughs> that's just not true <laughs> and so you know having this and being able to actually see the science and read about it and you know hear these stories and just see it's it just it just works <laughs> so I have, I, have a, I have a question for you answer so put yourself right now and the worst days that you were in for your Lyme infection, um, did you know it was Lyme infection? Here, double question. When you were in your worst days and you were bed bound and you couldn't remember anything and you didn't know where you were, did you know it was Lyme and, or did you think it was Lyme and did you ever think there was a way out? So this is the part where I see my patients and I want to make sure they know that there is help beyond the, the, the depthness of the, the horrible agony of being in the middle of the disease. Yeah. Well, and that's why I like to still, even though, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's tough for me to talk about this and to talk to other people about it because it really was extremely traumatizing for me um, to go through. And, um, you know, I mean, that was really part of the time, you know, really the first time in my life that I ever really wanted to die because I started to not see hope because I was going, you know, going to doctor after doctor after doctor, sitting there just sobbing and so much pain and nobody would help. They would just look at me and kind of go, Oh, well, you know, we're not really sure what it is. Maybe you have like a weird, super rare rheumatoid arthritis, um, you know, that affects one in a, a billion people. Um, as the whole time, and you know, my mom was really my warrior when I was going through this initially because I, I mean, I couldn't even talk to anybody. Um, but she, you know, she was doing the research and she was like, I think, I think it's Lyme disease. You know, you have all the symptoms. I had the rash. Um, and she was the one that she just worked her butt off until she could find someone to take me seriously and to treat me right. properly. Right. Um, but that was, I mean, there were times where. So yeah. how did you feel? How did you feel in the middle of the darkness? I'm sorry, I don't mean to bring this up in a bad way, but like, I want you to relate to patients that I see every day. Um, please let them know that there is 
hope. There is. Well, that's what's so exciting about this. Where you've been and where you are now. And listen to your brain kick. I mean, yeah. you keep up with me and I'm, I'm, you know, you and I are just peas in a pod. We, we, uh, we pride ourselves on our, uh, on our um, neurological ability to rationalize common sense in disease. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was really, you know, I don't even really remember it very well because my brain was not encoding memory. That's how sick I was. I don't, it's all like a year and a half of my life kind of all just blurs together. And all I remember are like specific times of being in extreme pain or having like neurological breakdowns where like it was, it was almost like I had a different person inside my head that was telling me all of these crazy things. Thinking isn't real. That's not logical. That doesn't make sense. Right. But then I had this part that was like, like yeah. this is upsetting. And I would have these panic attacks. Um, you know, I remember one day I couldn't go upstairs for, I don't know why I was like sitting on the floor in my parents' kitchen, just sobbing. And I was like, I can't go upstairs. And my parents were like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, what do we, what do we do with, I don't know. And I'm saying, like, I don't know why and I'm so upset right now. I just, I can't go up there. I don't know. I mean, I really like, it was terrible. It was crazy. I was losing my mind. I couldn't remember anything. Um, you know, I had just the joint swelling. I had tinnitus. I had, I couldn't see well. Um, you know, I had the super painful, just hives everywhere, rashes everywhere. For a long time, I would sit in the bathtub with like the Aveeno packets every day because I couldn't get comfortable. I couldn't sleep. Um, I mean, it was, I was miserable. It was miserable. I took, um, I had like a, you know, those square like file boxes. <laughs> I had one of those just filled with supplements. So on top of yeah. all of the antibiotics I was taking, I was probably taking 40 different supplements every day. Now you're flaring everything. Every, every herb, every antibiotic flares everything. Guess what? Those, what? Days, are, those <laughs> days are over. Because you don't so, have to it's go amazing. through all those flares anymore. We don't have to make you sicker if a patient comes in and they have they're on antibiotics and they feel like they're in control i'll leave them on them if mm-hmm. they're not on them i don't put them on them because we're going to do a cure if they're on herbs i'll leave them on them i don't put anything on them unless you test positive for some igm mono and that kind of thing and gosh you know i hate that you went through all that Maddie, but the fact is, is that your testimony is important to this world and um, we can push this topic forward um, through, it doesn't matter if you're from a trailer park or high rise in New York, you're probably going to be exposed 60 to 80% of the population. We find it in almost every disease. Um, It's there. Um, Yeah. And we're just excited that we can make changes in people. And I, I love to walk into a room with a patient who kind of, uh, this week I've had uh, two different patients that were diagnosed with MS that have had improvement on their MRI where their demyelinization has gotten, gotten better. Wow. I tell you what, you want to see a neurologist fall on the ground, pop up an MRI that from the previous MRI that shows that you have less demyelinization, like 50% less. Wow, that's amazing. The body can heal. Our body is wonderfully made. God made us perfect. He did not make us to fail. And if we support that and get rid of the this uh, genetically modified critter, then guess what? We can be like you, Maddie. Woohoo! Interweb. And um, we can go scuba diving in the Bahamas and 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 uh, catch some lobster. And start our uh, Genesis Center retreat, wellness retreat. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, let's go take on the next patient. Happy healing to everybody, and let's go. All right. We'll see you guys Good. on the next episode. All right. Good night, Bye. Maddie. Talk Good to night. you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
Wow, I know that was a long one. If you guys are still listening, thank you for hanging in there. That was crazy. We talked about all kinds of stuff. Um, That was probably the most I have talked about my Lyme experience in many years. And um, I'm just so grateful and happy to be able to share this information with you guys. And hopefully you find it helpful. Again, if you have any questions that you would like for us to talk about on the next episode of the podcast, please feel free to email me at maddie at maddieraycooper.com. Or you can ask it in the Genesis Center Lyme, SOT for Lyme Information Facebook group. Um, Or you can DM me on Instagram or message me on Facebook. Um, Just let me know. And uh, I will get that question asked to Dr. Sloan and we will get all this information out there for you guys. If there's anything I can do to help make this podcast more accessible to you um, or better in any way, just please let me know. I'm always trying to improve this and make this as helpful for you guys as possible. So I hope you enjoyed it and I can't wait to share the next one with you guys. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you.